Well, uh, at the end of last year, I was to um, speak about some of the things I'm going to speak about today because we do it every now and again. So this is an ongoing message that I've preached a few times. In the old building in Kwanana, I think I did it wearing an apron. I was talking about the recipes of being a family and I had a box of ingredients from the pantry. I think up in the chapel, it was called Becoming Family. Um, today, I want to call it the goals of connection. And I'll, you'll find out why as we go through. But basically, every now and again, just doing a this is us kind of family chat. And this is some of the culture that we love to uphold. Um, and if you join a family, it's, I'm sure, so helpful for you to go, actually, what is the culture here? And what is some of the things that matter here? Just so I can either make a decision, I need to know some of that stuff, or so I can carry the culture how many of you know it's not necessarily the mum of the house who needs to carry the whole culture? It's the family that carries the culture. It's a family that all um, moves in that way, and we hope it's a healthy one. So in the scripture, it talks about the church being a family. There's so many familial, not familiar, familial family words in the Bible. There's mother, there's father, there's spiritual mothering, spiritual fathering, there's brothers in Christ, there's sisters. All of the language of family is throughout. And um, an expression by the writers in the word and Jesus' prayer for us, that we would become one and to be that kind of family. What can happen is that can sound so scrumptious when we arrive at a church that actually wants to be a family. Um, but it can be a, a little bit threatening once it starts to feel like family. I know this little one, so he's fine around. He's all good. He's a family member. But what can happen is we can be in a community, and sometimes it starts to, to, I guess a too strong a word is trigger, but it can start to be like, oh, I kind of forgot what family is like, and I do not want to have anything to do with it. Thank you very much. Because it can feel like sibling rivalry sometimes in life, huh? or it can feel like a bit of a dominant woman at the front, like my mother, or it can feel like a passive spiritual dad who's leading the prayer set, or it can feel, and we can start to just be like, these are the things I didn't like and this was not safe. And in true fact, for a lot of people, the upbringing family might not have been safe or there might have been gaps or disappointments. But when this starts to feel like family, for some people it's the most healing place. It's like I've never known that a family could just embrace me and accept me for who I am. But for others, it's like that's when the distance begins because I protect myself when it comes to family. So I just wanted to be honest and say we do, we do look at this as the word would, which is that it is a family, which comes with humans in it that are imperfect, and it comes with all of us making some mistakes or hurting each other. And I'd love you to just add that to your gentle expectations of being in this family, is it may be in a short period of time or a long period of time, there might be some disappointment, some frustration, um, some interpersonal wounding, uh, because we're all on the sanctification road. But just to help you with those expectations, you'll probably at some stage be uncomfortable, not like something, or I would have hurt you unwillingly and you need to come chat to me or something. Because we're a family. And Life Hub as well. Or there might just be people that irritate. And do you know how family is like? We can't choose family, but we can choose our friends. When it comes to the body of Christ, what happens when we enter family is we actually have to go, I choose you. Not I protect myself from you, unless there's a sincerely unsafe person, which can happen, and we can help you with that or help them. It's an I choose you. When it comes to the body of Christ, it's, it's, like, a, it's like I choose to covenant here. 
not I choose to blood covenant, not I choose to vow marriage covenant. I choose to relationally covenant here through the good times and the bad. How many of you have had both the good times and the bad so far in our church? Come on, be honest. (laughs) Me too. Um, Through the good times and through the bad, I'm staying and I'm going to be changed through it or the church is going to change through it or the leadership is going to change through it. I'm going to have the grace and I'm, I'm going to stick it out. The, the amazing, holy, grace-filled times and the dry times and the I'm not sure where this is going times. It's a, you're not bound here. <laughs> you can go at any time. So no, it's not a control thing, literally and with our blessing. And you won't be banned and shunned. You can be in whichever family is the right family for you. You're not bound. But I'd like to invite you to consider being all in, which looks like both feet, not I put my right foot in and I put my right foot out. And I put my right foot in, uh, shake it all about. It really is, uh, I'm going to be all in and allow the Lord to mold me through his plan, which is for us to be a family. He knows that interpersonal stuff is, can be the, the grain of sand that makes a pearl. He actually uses it as part of his sanctification. And that's, that's what he wants to do with us, is transformation and sanctification. And that means holding in there, even if you've had lots of long conversations with one or two people and, and you're still not having breakthrough and the tension between you, but you're here. I think God weeps over that. That's his heart for his kids. I'm going to read that scripture. It's part of Jesus' prayer for us. I bless you, Nigel, jumping around because I'm just tracking with what's coming. So the goal of oneness is in John, in slide three, John 17, 20 to 23, part of Jesus' prayer. I do not ask for these only, he's talking about his believers, but also for those who will believe in me through their words. So then he's praying for us who would believe in him a couple of thousand years later, that we may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that's quite close. (laughs) That they also may be in us, so we'll be in the Godhead, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So the world would believe that Jesus is the Messiah because we are one with each other and we are one in him. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. So he's actually given us his glory that they may be one, even as... So one of the reasons he gave us his glory is, is oneness. Oneness is a real big deal to him in this community. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. So not even haphazardly one, not even clunkily, okay, I choose this community, I choose my life, I choose the frustrating person that I don't understand. It says perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. There is a place we can be perfectly one. I'm going to look into some of the interesting parts of that. I'd like to suggest that the goal here, because it takes a bit of a culture to form that oneness, is not that we're aiming for an Australian culture. You might be an immigrant. We're not going, what does an Australian church look like? We're also not going to go, what is Amy Talbot's culture, family-wise, or, you know, Brad and Lisa's family culture. We're not going for what was your family culture, which means you're going to have to come and put a bit of that on the altar, and allow the Lord to sift what was the good and what was the bad. You might be leading culture at home, doing your best and you believe it's right. What we're aiming for is kingdom culture. So what we're going to do today is I'm just going to mention a couple of things that are 
kingdom culture, the things in the scripture that are for a family to be like. And some of you have not had that growing up. You didn't get taught some of these things. And that's why we need to have a chat and go, you know what? As best as possible around here, let's do kingdom culture, not paradox culture. We don't make an idol of this church. We're going to do kingdom culture. Is that all right? So you're going to hear those words a bit today. And the culture needs to be learned and carried by all of us who choose to be all in. So I want to talk about there's hallmarks of the, of the kingdom. There's particular things in scripture that when it comes to kingdom culture, they could be summarized in a couple of words. Derek Prince first used these words. John Sanford of Elijah House then followed and used to use these words a lot. The hallmarks of the kingdom are three words. And a lot of things can be tested against these three words. The hallmarks of the kingdom are honor, consideration, and respect. It's quite simple. And it's all over the word and it's the Lord's heart. And he would have that anything that we're choosing to do or getting into here or socials or prayer sets or kids ministry or anything, does it have honor? Honor is a biggie that he brings up in the word. Some of you have done the schools and you've been learning the, the huge repercussions and the blessings that come with honoring mother and father, even if they've passed on, even if it was terribly abusive. We don't honor people for their behavior. We honor people because of who they are, and everyone is a daughter and a son of the Lord. We honor people because of their position, because they're in a place of leading. They are leading that worship set. They are leading this or the other. We honor the position, and that mainly is who they are in the Lord. And, and just going, but they're a daughter or a son of the Lord can help us move into honor where we're tempted into dishonor with our words. The Lord really is on to honor even when it comes to higher forms of leadership, country leadership, all sorts of seats people are sitting in and using or misusing or abusing or doing well. It's really important that our kids are not hearing us dishonor the police. It's really important that our families or our neighbors are not hearing us dishonor Biden or Trump or Scott Morrison or Mark McGowan, regardless of how you feel about how they're leading. There's a difference between an assessment of what someone's doing and a judgment. And the Bible says no judging. There's even some backlash that can come from judging. And judging usually means there's a bit of offense in here about what we're seeing. And whether we know the person or we don't know the person, it's over and over again. You cannot, you must not. If you are a lover of me and you hate your brother, you are in sin, you are, you are lying. It has to be, I'm assessing, they're out of line, they're not leading well, or they're abusing their seat. It, it shouldn't come with a whole bunch of offense, offense and heat. It's really important that we keep letting him refine us so we can, if we're called to be speakers of righteousness, some of us are called into all sorts of leadership in, in terrible times. Good. Do it out of a calling and assess what's true and go for justice. But if we're doing things out of a reaction that has judgment in it or offense in it, it's very dangerous ground. Same with anyone in senior leadership, anyone in life hub leadership, anyone who's looking after your kids in Paradox Kids, anyone on the coffee machine, like honor. It's a basic hallmark of the kingdom and it needs to be that one can tell we're walking in honor because it comes off our tongue. Honor has a sound. It's really important that our words are carrying honor. When we talk about our family members, when we talk about someone we're disagreeing with, it can be a colleague, it can be your neighbor, it can be the abuser from your past. 
It doesn't mean we ever honor behavior, but honor is we honor who they are in the Lord, and he will come and bring the justice if we stay in the lane of honor. So let's stay in honor moving forward, even in some of the new things for WA in the next few months. Where does being a kingdom person fit when it comes to navigating new places? Yeah? Honor, consideration. Consideration means making room for, preference for the other. The scriptures are full of that. It's the tiny things of picking up other people's coffee cups when they haven't seen them. <laughs> That's mine. When, when it's, um, I'll just clean behind instead of pointing out what happened there. I'll, I'll just put away that parent's um, present, uh, toys. It's just considering others, not like, did you consider me? What that can also look like is, which I'm going to get to later, it's very dangerous if we become a people who need agreement with other people in order to have connection. I'm going to say that again. It's very dangerous if we feel like others need to agree with us in order to be in relationship with them. Okay? Some of us, I say us so that it's not as offensive as some of you, but I'm not saying this one is a testimony of my family, but some of us have grown up in homes where if you didn't agree, you were, you were actually cut off. Um, it might be a political thing. It might have been, we're all judging that neighbor. Oh, you don't have that opinion of them? You're out. But there's different things where family rules and family agreement was actually the, what the family connected over. It's very toxic. The kingdom is everyone can think differently and be connected. There's actually a way to be completely one, perfectly one, as the scripture said, and have different beliefs. And I think as we continue to become family here, it's going to be very important, especially in the next few months, for us to release the need for everyone else here to agree with where we stand on something. Otherwise, you're going to get hurt or you might hurt others. It's going to be important that you release the need for senior leadership to agree with you because we don't even fully agree with each other. Good luck with that. But we are one. We are so very one. Not a crack presently. In 12 years, there's been all sorts of marble cracks. And we have continuously come back together because that is the goal, togetherness, not agreement. Some people, it's in their marriages. Some people, it's with their children. The goal is, I'm fighting with you until we agree. And I've got to keep fighting with you because you're not agreeing with me. It's a weird goal. It's causing you damage. If you have arguments and they're still not agreeing, if you've got the agreement as your goal, yee! If we can drop being the same and having to agree and go, the goal is to understand each other and to connect through the differences. It's very different. Because then you're having a, a, a confrontation or a, 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 a slightly warmer conversation and you're having it to listen and to understand and then to stay connected even if you agree that we're sort of on different platforms here, but how can we be connected in this? It's got to be that the problem solving is how can we be so different and stay connected? It's really important that you're not sitting here going, I'm just going to keep assessing if everything I believe in the word is exactly what comes across from the pulpit. Please drop your need for agreement. 
You're going to get hurt and disappointed. You're going to leave at some stage. Because we are all even in slightly different places. Not about the absolutes, but hello, that's what different Baptist, Protestant, you know, um, there's, you know, Catholic. It's, it's really hard to actually land on some of the absolutes. There's some moral absolutes. But I think if we can go, I'm going to try and know what's true. And I'm going to try and learn what's righteous. And I'm going to try and obey that. But I'm not going to enforce agreement or check that there's agreement because it just can't be the goal. Let's shift into, I'm going to ensure, even moving forward in the next few months, there's a range of wonderful opinions across this room. How can we do it with honor and consideration of different people's beliefs? Is this okay? If you would like to not do that, that's fine. But I'm just letting you know it's not going to be very comfortable for you in this family because we're going to go with kingdom culture. That's why it's actually possible. And in this room right now, we even have, and I'm going to say all these triggery words. Are you ready? I love elephants in rooms. They don't exist much here. But we actually have people who are by choice and peace vaccinated. And they chose to and they weren't coerced. Bless them. And we have people who are not vaccinated by peace and by choice. Then we've had people that have had to, and they're in this room too. Then we have people that can't and they wish they could, but they're, they're compromised in their health. Then we have people who are compromised in their health, and they're glad that's an excuse to not get it. And then we have people who, who won't even come the next few months, even if we're allowed to continue to gather. And then we'll have those who are like, you better stay open in the next few months. We're going to have all sorts. And guess what? We get to be perfectly one in it all if we follow the hallmarks of the kingdom, which are honor and consideration. Consideration is there's room for you to be on your journey of believing what you believe. And it doesn't, the goal isn't agreement. The goal's oneness. Can we release each other to be going according to where they're at? And it doesn't have to be toxic and defensive. If that's coming up, I'm like, can you check what's going on in your heart? If, the, if there's a defensive and offendable response to someone's choices, concern, sure. Feel to intercede, sure. Bit of shock, okay. And then oneness, honor, consideration. Because the Lord's really bigger. And the Lord's the keeper of the person. Don't you love that the Lord's on the throne? And the Lord's the protector of the bride. And the Lord's on the job of keeping everyone safe. It's actually his job in the next few months. And he's really good at it. And so none of us have to feel we need to take his seat and convince each other in any way. We just get to, to, to have oneness. That's an, a, a huge goal in itself for some of us who have interpersonal quirks. Um, but I bet we can do it in a clunky, awesome, paradox way. And the last one is respect. And that one, just like honor, has a lot to do with what comes out of our mouth. It has a lot to do with what happens with our eyes when we're looking at somebody. Respect has a look. There's a lot of people who can, I can tell you, really disrespect me by the loathing facial expression, even though you're saying something very sweet. <laughs> yes? Respect has a look, which means the Lord's not saying, can you have respectful behavior? He's saying, can you have a respectful heart? Because out of the mouth, the heart speaks. 
and the body behaves. And we just give preference to each other and we respect someone else's views and we let them have them. Is that all right? So the, 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 there are particular hallmarks. Hallmark is like the most important thing or traits. There are hallmarks of the kingdom of darkness. Can we try and avoid these ones? Because these ones are not kingdom. This ones in particular can be summed up with domination, manipulation, and control. None of this is a passive-aggressive sermon because we need to clean up any problems. We do this one regularly. I talk about this regularly. It's a healthy family chat to have. So just know not a single person is in the firing line. We don't go, have you ever been one of those workplaces where they're like, oh, that person's doing that. How are we going to deal with them? Let's send out a group email. It'll cover it. Can everybody who's not wearing closed-in shoes at work just remember the safety codes? Instead of going to the one person and going, oh, you see that? That doesn't work. So that's called passive-aggressive. You're afraid of actually doing the one-on-one, and you do blanket things. This is not a blanket thing, because I prefer to do one-on-one conversations. So just know we're all doing well, and this is in moving forward, how can we do that? So domination, manipulation, and control. That can be in a leader in particular. It can be why someone actually wants to be in leadership. It can be to get that need met, and then they use that position to do that. It can be in someone who has no leadership position here at all. But basically, it's, I don't know how to get you to agree with me, so I'm going to bully you, or I'm going to talk at you with my beliefs, or I'm just going to manipulate my light way into your life, or into your, I'm just going to some codependency kind of way. Or, And the Bible talks about all of this as witchcraft. So let's avoid that. Witchcraft not being female. Witchcraft being sorcery. That's how bad those things are. And a way to really avoid them is to really ensure that at a deep spirit level and generational, some people can be generationally dominant or controlling or witchcrafty because it's being treated to them and treated to them. It can be a generational spirit even. Let's check that at a heart level. All our conversation is honor, consideration, and respect, which I do feel happens here. Is that okay? All right. You're doing great. So I'm going to jump to kingdom culture aims. Not me. (laughs) It's not Ames Kingdom Culture, it's the Bible. Not what the good Amy says. Okay, so some aims of Kingdom Culture could be to choose that I'm going to have an aim of belonging here if this is my tribe. Not attending here. Attending can have a little element of one foot in and one foot out, and that can be self-protection. Which could need, you might need a season of that because there's been um, maybe domination control from your last church. It's hard to say that. Or family or whatever. And there's lack of trust. And you just need to assess for a while. That's so understandable. Do not rush your process. But once you feel it's your tribe, my encouragement is that you go, I'm going to belong here. What that helps with is if you have a problem going, I don't fit here. I don't fit I'm not like everyone else. My giftings are different. My personality is different. I can't see anyone like me. Good. Just know a goal is never for you to fit here. It's not a thing. Your goal can be to belong here just as you are. There is room for every single person to be completely you, but drop the need to fit, which sometimes can be a bit of a fear around acceptance stuff. It, like, you, you're just great 
and there is a spot for you should you want it. No one's trapped. But I would have a goal of belonging. And that also looks like something. Two feet look like something, yeah? Two feet look like something. It looks like, in a physical sense, being quite involved. It looks like putting your shoulder in, in, in prayer and in worship. Pray for us. Be here. Be known. Am I going too fast? Too strong? Um, belonging can be a, um, a tricky one for some. It can be a feeling you never even had growing up in the classroom, uh, socially in your home. So just know that that alone might be a barrier for some, and it's okay. Don't run from it and do the one foot out. I'm just away often. Oh, I'm hiding behind my, my kids on Sundays. Um, I'm just not able to make it because, like, face the turmoil around belonging. It's confronting, but it's a short patch. And then you get a long patch of being involved and being loved up and being known. All of the amazing things the Lord planned for oneness. So embrace the fireball of pain that might come up with the word belonging. And be grafted in. Some people have come along to this community, and it's not for everybody. Some people have come along to this and they're like, woo-hoo-hoo, look at this tree, and it's got all this fruit on it, and everyone hugs me, and there's just all of this is, is on offer, and it's just great, and it looks really rustic, and they've got a big property, and I want to eat all that fruit, yum, 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 yum. And then after a little while, they're like, oh, those are the ingredients in the water and the soil that actually make all of this fruit happen. I don't know if I want that. That can involve a lot of things that actually I'm uncomfortable with. But just letting you know, some of the ingredients that make all our good fruit, and we have bad ones we're constantly getting rid of, the good ones, it actually, some of it really costs, like it costs you everything. It costs you everything. Did my earring go? Thanks, sister friend. Teammate oneness. Um, it costs you, it, it could cost you everything to be in a community. It can cost you everything. The Lord didn't usually set out the things that will cost us nothing. It cost him everything for us to be one. Everything. He didn't get to have a family. He didn't get to have a wife. He didn't get to have a home. He didn't get to have children. He didn't get to grow old. He didn't get to be comfortable. He didn't get to have a big income. Why? Because he laid out his life so that you can have a lot of those things on the list I just read out really helps me if I don't have some things on that list to go, and he understands, and I'm only here because he didn't either. Like, it costs everything to follow him. It's the narrow road, not the wide road. And to just know comfort, it can't be another goal, just like acceptance, um, agreement can't. Comfort can't be a goal in a church community. Otherwise, something's weird. That means that everything we do will start to center, but will the people be comfortable? That's called fear of man. And I think it's a bit more of an offendable gospel in a good way. And it comes with the narrow road. And it comes with the flesh dying. And it comes with carrying our cross daily. And it comes with sacrificial love. And what does he say? The greatest thing you can do for a friend, which is you and me, which is you and me, is lay down your life for each other. So being in this community might need to look like a lot of death to flesh and laying down of life and that's when you know you've hit your sweet spot but if it's a bit uncomfortable it's like I would check that expectation and you're gonna have to drop it or you won't survive but should we go through that narrow road it goes up the trunk and all this fruit comes out because the Lord designed it to be so and you'll be able to be one of the ones that eats the fruit of this beautiful community but it comes with 
the risk of being known. Sometimes you have to risk all to gain all. Have you ever risked completely attaching? Or are all of your threats and woundings been around attachment to Holy Spirit? Have you risked all to gain all? To leaders, to a family, to brothers and sisters in Christ, you have to risk all to gain all. He doesn't love us just doing it with self-protection. So come on in, guys. Attach. Put your shoulders to the plow. Your mess is welcome here. I'm going to say it again. Your mess is welcome here. You are not defined by your mess. Jeff's a friend, so I'm just going to use your name. Jeff is not his mess. Jeff is Jeff. We, our identity is not our story. If we go by what I've been through and what I've done is who I am, whoa, there's your sticking point, but it's preventing you from attaching. Jeff is Jeff Walker, son of God, who might have a story, who might have a past, but we honor the person. It doesn't define you, even if you define yourself by it. Also, just because you bring in your mess doesn't mean we won't put a little boundary around you sometimes or give a little feedback to that or just go, actually, our natural consequence of behaving like that is going to look like this, but we're not going to disconnect from you because we don't disconnect here when we don't agree. If you're someone who just loves to disconnect if you don't agree, you're probably going to be one of the ones who start receiving some feedback. It's toxic. You don't have to follow each other on Facebook. You don't have to be connected to everyone here. But my golly, let's watch out for blocking and looking the other direction. And wow, that's called a family culture, not a kingdom culture. Yeah? Your mess is welcome here. If it's becoming messy because of your mess, we'll get alongside you. We don't manage people by going, they're wanting to be on the worship team, um, but they're so messy and they've got that door open and that door open. So we're just going to passively, aggressively just detour them here and forget to get back to them here. And we're going to go, cool, um, there's all of this. So how can we do it with you? Because we, we would love your, your breakthroughs and the, what the Lord has for you. Let's fight with you together to be on that team. But that's going to take you risking your story. And it's okay that we are asking you to close some doors. But we're going to do it together. No one gets disconnected because of your stuff. Unless it's part of a later boundary after a lot of other conversations. And that's a different story. So don't be afraid of being shunned if we only knew. I could list the things I've heard in confessions. Except I can't really because I usually forget them. <laughs> which is helpful. All the prime ministers are like, yeah, me too. We forget the confessions, but I, I believe I have heard it all. It doesn't define you. And the best place is to say it, put it at the cross, move forward with life connected. Okay, so be brave with your story. I'm going quite slowly. Thanks, Jess. Okay, the next one can be tricky for some based on your story. I'll go slow. Another thing we believe is a kingdom culture, and we have been implementing here, is a culture where it's okay to give safe feedback. Feedback that has honor and respect and consideration in it as the heart, the way it's done. But feedback is the Lord's way through. It's, there's a, there's a problem. Can I just chat with you? 
Let me give you a visual picture of what feedback is. Oh, Jess, you've got some lettuce in your teeth. We just had lunch. You got lettuce. Oh, thank you. I was covering her before we just went out of a room. So feedback is always the covering of somebody. It's, oh, you've got mud on your face. I don't know about you, but I, even if, I have sensi- if I'm sensitive, if I've got food on my teeth and mud on my face, you better be telling me or you're not my friend. <laughs> like we actually want to be covered, even if it's a bit embarrassing in that moment. Oh, my gosh, and you just saw that. and uh. But 100 people didn't see it because I got covered. And if we can start to normalize and just get comfortable with feedback, which is different to abuse and being told what you're not, and I don't like you for this and this and this reason, that's not feedback. Feedback often even starts with, "Uh, can I just give you some feedback? It's great. We do it on team. We do it in our friendships. We do it with core team. So, hey, Kylie, and both of us will do the same facial expression. She'll go, can I give you some feedback? And I'll go, yes. And you both have nervous face because it's hard and it's scary. Just do it, do it quick, do it quick, say it. And then she'll say it and I'm like, okay, that hurt. Hmm, Give me a moment. And it comes with assessing whether there was truth in it. Maybe it's because of her stuff she thought I was being like that. But it's really even better if we first assume humility and go, it probably is true. Because in every piece of feedback, the, the saying is there's usually something true in it, even if all of it wasn't. Humility is helpful in these situations, but for you to know this has been a long-term part of our culture, and if there's things that are, especially if you're wanting to get involved in helping lead the culture, in prayer or in worship or in kids, or and there's a whole bunch of stuff open, sin open, doors open, just to not freak out, but the conversations will come, because we love you that much, and we love the church that much, and we cover and we keep things relatively... <laughs> holy, enough, but not in a religion way. It's not should, 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 and should. It's um, so obedience. (laughs) Um, But to just relax and to go, it doesn't define me. Some people, when we go, hey, can I just say this thing? They go, oh, you're saying I am bad. You're saying I am naughty. I am disobedient. No, feedback's never an identity word. Just like what I said with Jeff, he's separate from his story. He's also separate from his behavior and his sin. He's Jeff. So if I'm going, hey, Jeff, I've just noticed you actually are a bit defensive. I don't know if you've ever been told that before, but it's just been like a few conversations now, and I just feel you arc up, and I'm wanting to be a great peer and a great friend with you. The defensiveness, like, what is that? Just be a bit playful. Don't be like... And heated and scared, and your voice is shaking. I still get a bit shaky when I'm going to do it. I'd be nervous to even get up here. But but it's like, let's be playful. You can even name sin, a cartoon name. You know, every now and again you do that thing, like that character. And what is that? Just playful and joyful. It takes the, the, the seriousness out of it, and it helps the other person relax so they can hear you. So, so Jeff, we don't have to answer me now, but can we just have a phone chat at some stage because this defensiveness is interrupting things here and you're in leadership. Thank you. <laughs> so what would be even more helpful is if Jeff doesn't walk away and go, I am defensive. That's an identity thing, which you need to be responsible for. And I'll try, and everyone will try when they give you feedback to go, this is not define you. But Jeff needs to go, no, I am Jeff, but I have a defensive thing that's got to go. 
I have this behavior. I have this quirk. I have this sin. I have this unclosed door in the, with sin on the past. But not I am a defendable person. See, that falls into judgment when we define someone by what they're doing. That's why it's a bit like, ooh, be careful when we call someone a narcissist and an alcoholic and a drug addict. That's an identity label. Let's move into this person has um, an addiction to alcohol. This person has um, a problem with that. We, can, we all have problems and behavior things that have got to go and places of sin, but they're not who we are. And just if that helps you when you're listening to feedback, go, this is separate from me. This is separate from me. I am loved. I am me. I am welcome here. I belong. And when we're giving feedback, let's be very careful to not go, you are. Because it's, I feel when you do this behavior, can we chat? Is that all right? Confrontation can freak the nose out of people because some people have grown up in torrential spaces when it comes to confrontation in their house. Confrontation was always unsafe, which means some of us have judged confrontation. Step one, repent of judgments. We've judged confrontation. We have fear around confrontation. We think confrontation involves yelling. So I would never yell at someone or I never want to be yelled at again. So I can't ever have a confrontation with anyone in my life. I'll just stop going because I've got to protect me. Because you couldn't protect yourself growing up. It's so understandable. But there's actually a kingdom way of doing it, which is beautiful and produces the tree fruit that we're talking about. But we need you. We need everyone in this room to learn how does the kingdom say we do confrontation. And if we all do it that way, we get to eat yummy fruit. And we get to keep going to things and being part of things without managing our fear by pulling back. Let's look at confrontation. So Matthew 18 is our go-to where it talks about if you've got a problem with someone else, and let's just say, yep, we all have. Maybe it's not here. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's your distant relative. Let's look at what the Lord says. If your brother or a sister, see the familial language though, family language. If your brother sins, go. That's the first word. Go and show him. Oh man, I thought it said go and tell someone else. Go and talk to my other friend about it. Go and talk to my mother about it. Go and talk to my children about it. Go and talk to my neighbor about it. Go and talk to my... No, this one's pretty brave. Ooh la la. Go and show him his fault. So you have to go directly to the person that you've got a problem with as step one. Okay, sure, but I'll do it in a public place where I've got 10 people behind me ready to jump in. Ooh, it says go and show him his fault in private. Wow, that's brave. At the end, I'm going to go, if the person is unsafe, let's do it this way. But in general, what it's saying is you have to swallow your fear and you have to try by yourself first if they're safe. That's pretty big call. I did say it's a narrow road. It's called a lot of dying to self. It's called a lot of the Lord having to go and do some healing with some triggers around confrontation that actually have nothing to do with the person and it's not their fault and it's not the church's fault and it has to do with our childhood. Go in and show him his fault in private. If he listens and pays attention to you, because remember that's the goal, to listen, to understand, not to agree. It didn't say if he agrees with you. If he listens and pays attention, which is the goal, 
you have won back your brother. And many times the one conversation will do it. So let's do that, literally, and do it quick. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Call them on the way home from Life Hub Night. Hey, you said this to me. Can I ask you what you meant? It, it just it hurt. Have the chat one-on-one on the phone. Don't go and can I have a meeting with the Life Hub leaders? This place is not safe. Okay. If he listens and pays attention to you, you've won your brother back, which means the goal is to win back, brothers and sisters. Not to be right. Not to be agreed with. Okay. If they listen, they've got you back. But if he does not listen, which often happens too, take along with you how many people? One or two people. So you have a round two meeting, and the round two meeting is you have your Life Hub leader with you, or a pastor with you, or the kids leader with you, or your bestie with you, or someone in your Life Hub with you, or your neighbor with you, or something, your husband with you. It's allowed. Or two or three. Two. Do you know what's quite kind about the one or two? Is you take someone who's your safe person and you take someone who's theirs. I need to sort something out with Nicole. I'm going to now, it didn't work out. I'm going to go, Jess, can you come with me? And, and Nicole, why don't you bring Ian? Because who says I'm right? And let's actually look at it together. And we're going to try again with someone who knows her heart more than I do. So I love that suggestion of one or two. It's considerate, and it means this isn't a war and a gang up because the goal isn't agreement. Yeah? Okay, so take along more so that every word may be confirmed by the testimony or two or three witnesses and try again using the culture of honor, consideration, and respect. Try and have those three with you in your pocket for the conversation. Okay, next... If he pays no attention, so now Nicole's still not listening. I've brought up some quite serious sin, um, and she's not listening to me, and together they're actually like, no, we feel to have this door open. Tell it to the church. So tell it to more people. It doesn't mean you have to do it here on this microphone or put a post up on comms on Facebook, but it means that's when you start doing it. And some people, I just feel it's happened before in other churches as well, maybe it's happened here, where the first thing is I'm going to tell the church what I think about that person so that we can pray for them. If you heard the holy, can I just tell you what I know about that person so we can be together and pray for them? No, shakababa. We don't go tell the church a single thing unless we've had meetings with the person. Is that all right? So when we go tell the church... And they still don't listen. So now they're still in sin and they're not wanting to listen. And now we've had a a senior leadership meeting and we've had wider meetings and the people in the church necessary have been filled in. If they still refuse, let them be to you like a Gentile, an unbeliever and a tax collector. How do we treat unbelievers? With love. We pray for them. We don't block our doors to them. If anything, that's why we're here. I still haven't got to the part where we get offended or where we leave or where we don't go to that life hub anymore or we quit the team. Because the goal isn't agreement. The goal is love and doing that with a culture of honor. And literally, if you would just trust the way the Lord wants you to do interpersonal things, even if you've never seen it modeled before, maybe you've never seen any arguments in your home, and then you're like, so now I don't even know how to do it. The hallmark of the kingdom is honor, consideration, and respect, 
have someone with you. If the person's quite unsafe, actually, you can take a leader with you for the first round, for the first meeting, or who, your partner or something like that. You don't have to be alone with someone who's scary, okay? So don't take that as, well, then I'll never talk about to them one-on-one because they're going to eat me. So um, there's wisdom around that. Is that okay? Can we adopt that here? I think it is adopted in many times, and we've spoken about this for years now. It doesn't always work. You've even down the second conversation and it didn't work. Okay, I'm just going to have a little bit of space and I'm just going to get back to getting my heart going, but I can be one with you. I can be in the same bride. And so long as you're not wrecking the church when you're not agreeing with me, we can just both be here and agree to disagree, but maybe not track as closely as we used to for a while and then we're going to try again. Yeah? Let's, let's be the body. Let's be the family. I love how the Lord even uses the brother-sister, the brother word in that. It's, it's got to be family first, not rightness first. I want to show you a picture of the Californian redwoods, if it works. So I'm not six foot. And these trees can be up to 250 to 300 foot in height. That's quite high. And guess what? They don't have tap roots. They don't have deep roots. They actually have shallow roots. Now, if you've got a storm, yes, California, if you've got a storm and you've got high winds and you have a, a something that's not as wide as it is high, if you've got high and thin, 250 to 300 feet high, how is that not going to topple over? Can you imagine a whole forest going over? There's one thing that the Lord designed in a redwood to prevent 300 feet of height to not topple over. He chose shallow, shallow roots and all the roots holding hands. They grow their roots into each other and every tree needs to do it in order that they don't get taken out. I see that as such a picture of the kingdom. Don't go alone. Don't go taprooting by myself. I'm just going to be my self-keeper and I'm going to be safe here. I've got to be interdependent, not independent, not dependent or codependent, interdependent. The risk of being known, the risk of leaning in, the risk of helping others, shallow enough roots that we're all arms combined, oneness. And then we get to be such tall people in the spirit and not get blown over. We get to be big personalities. Wouldn't it be wonderful if it's like, you know, I've been described as a big personality. You can have big personalities. It doesn't always have a good connotation attached to it. And some people are afraid of big personalities, and for some people it's a good reason. But you can actually have a lot of big personalities and have oneness. You're just holding each other up, and you're connected underneath, and you've dealt with whatever you're offended about, and you've taken responsibility for having an offendable heart, which is never the other person's problem, but there's a sermon on that. It's got to be holding hands underneath. That's the oneness. Is that all right? So, in that way, I do want to talk about the first commandment and the second commandment, because they look like that picture. I want to talk about the prayer that Jesus prayed for us, the oneness, that we'd be one and we'd be one with the Godhead. And I want to talk about the next few months of WA. It's got to look like redwood trees. All of the, those roots go underground and they're completely joined together. All of them. It's our only way through is the first commandment, love him, not stay disconnected from God because I don't know what to do with him, but I love him. No, love him holding hands, roots connected, be one with the Godhead, 
That's how we're going to get through the next few months. And oneness here. Not agreement here. Oneness here. Um, and that can look like some keys. So if you're someone who probably needs some more keys to be able to really have some of that oneness with the Godhead, especially in times that you find challenging, I'm just going to spit a few keys out for us because we need to rise above. We need to rise above current circumstances and we need to be seated in heavenly places and we need to be over the flood like he is and we need to be up and above, not getting swamped out by all we're reading and knowing and doing and researching. And we also need to remain connected here because everyone here has a right to come out the other end, still holding on to whatever belief they had during it, and grace and consideration for that. Is that okay? Because oneness is the goal, not agreement. Is anyone feeling like I'm touching on... Well, you probably wouldn't tell me publicly. I just want you to know that I'm... <laughs> I love your heart. I'm not trying to cause harm. This is not in reaction to anything. This is, this is how we're going to get through, all right? Thanks. Thanks. Okay, so when it comes to each other, I've and you know chatted with some of the leadership. I'm just wanting to present a couple of ways we could do it that are just have some boundaries even um, of navigating a, a few months where we all believe different things. I'm wondering if with the hallmarks of the kingdom, the honour, the consideration and the respect, we could even... Um, Feel the continued freedom to, if we have social media, we can post what we believe if you're that way inclined or never post what you believe if you're that way inclined. You do you. I can't protect you from any little consequences that might come from outbursts or, or digs or any dishonor you might do, which I'm not sure thinking anyone here would do. We can't protect you from that, but you do you. But just a reminder, um, we won't be using the church family internal private group page for discussions about what each other believes in this time. We're going to be talking about what God's doing in this time and we're going to be continuing to look at what he's saying and where he's going and what he's requiring of us as his bride walking the narrow path. And I'd like you to consider not using your Life Hub pages, your chats, whether you're on WhatsApp together, for that kind of this is what I think because that's not necessarily what that group is for. You are allowed to say what you think. There is no taboo topic. You are not controlled here. That's a hallmark of the kingdom of darkness. We're not going to control your mouth and ask you to stop talking about anything. You literally get to be free here and to believe what you believe. But can we just ask that you're not using those platforms to, to do that communication? You can use your free time. You can use your lounge room and have coffee with people about it. You can make a, a connection at a cafe if you're wanting to talk to people about it. And people will be able to say to you, no thanks, or yes, please, because everyone here has an individual will and are powerful people. Is that all right? I'm wondering if even the next couple of months, I hope this doesn't prick you, but I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind even on a Sunday to not, not that anyone has, to not think I'm coming to a group of people to tell them what I believe about things. Religion-wise, law-wise, political-wise, whatever. Let me give you an example. So I also have on the side a little business, skincare business. I really believe in it and I'm passionate about the topics and I love the brand. And I just do that on the side because I got to the point after using it that I'm like, I want other people to know about this. So I understand if your heart is, but I want other people to know about this. It's good for them. I understand. But I've never looked at it. Oh, I've got 60 people at my disposal on a Sunday that I can talk to about it. Yeah? 
It's been my responsibility to go, I have to create an event and a party or ask people, do they want to hear about this? I can't use the provision of people. You might be passionate about, I don't know what it is you're passionate about. I love that you have passion. Whoop! Please don't ever, not that anyone has, think of, oh, 80 people, a platform for me. So the goal of Sunday is not a platform for you, and you can't use it as one, ever, ever. But you can use it to, to talk to people about what, what God's doing, because really the purpose of a Sunday is to come together as a family and come above the flood, and we worship him, and we come back up to that place where we're seeing above, where we're over the flood, and we're spending time going, this is who God is, and we're worshiping him, and we're remembering he's on the throne, he's got everything, he's already at the end of this, he's at the beginning of time, he's at the end of time, he's been through this ahead of us, he's the protector, he's the healer, he's the provider, all of that sometimes we need reminding, and that's what the corporate time's for, including morning tea time. And if morning tea time, you don't, I don't know what to talk about if I'm not talking about religion or whatever it is you're passionate about, which is wonderful, um, then just go, I, I might talk to them about what God's doing. Good goal. How can I encourage you about what God's doing? And, and um, how can I help you practically? Some people need their arm prayed for more than being talked at. Or some money. Maybe $300 rather than 300 words. Truly, to just zone in on how can I have honor, consideration, respect for where my brother or sister is at, and how can I reach in and help them? Mm, but what if someone asks me about where I stand on those things? What if someone approaches me and says, where are you at with this? That, that's okay. Two, two people last Sunday approached me and asked me about the skincare. I didn't go, this is a church. I was delighted. And I went, yeah, and yeah, and I'll reach out to you. And I've reached out to them this week. I've brought product on a Sunday as a pastor, and I've slipped it to somebody. I wasn't using my platform. It's normal if someone said, could you have a brochure on that political stance? Sure, I'll give it to you on Sunday. That's fine. And if someone's like, I need help to know what to do. I don't know what to do in this time. Well, we've got these people who believe this. We've got these people who believe this. And we've got these people who go, I need some people to help me to know what to believe. So it's normal to go, what do you believe? And what do you believe? As I learn to know what I believe. So it's okay. It's not taboo. It's not banned. It's not banned. You're not controlled. But, but maybe if you want to know or have some help, can you do the asking? So let's ask someone. We don't want to get to the point where we've got an, an adult's table, a children's table, and a COVID table. But just know if someone asks you, you're welcome to talk about it here. It's okay. You're all shepherds, your fathers, your mothers, and you're concerned about each other. But even better is like, and do you want to have a phone call about it? Or how about I just pray for your anxiety right now? And when you're not feeling so anxious, I'm going to call you on Tuesday. Tuesday, a good time? And, and I would love to tell you everything I know, regardless of whether you end up agreeing with me or not. Okay? So it's not banned, but let's, let's come up. And not initiate conversations about it, but we can ask somebody. Pursue each other. You kind of know who's tracking with different things. Just go ask. Go have the chat. Go have the coffee. Uh, it's good conversations. And being, understanding what's going on in the world is healthy. Is that all right? 
No one's doing anything wrong. I even chatted to anyone who might feel this is a passive-aggressive stab. No one's in trouble. You're doing amazing. It's also fine to come up for prayer and to ask for prayer into this, all this subject, even if the person praying for you believes the opposite. We're not going to pray, our will be done, your will be done. It's the Lord's will be done. Okay? It's not going to become political up here. It's how's your heart is just what we'll do. Is that okay? You're welcome to ask for anything you need in this topic. Um, the next few weeks, we will talk a little bit more after we've met as senior leadership, after we've had core team meetings and we've had heard the voices of our main leaders. We will then also be going once we're in February. These are probably some of the decisions we'll make as a church once different things are decided for us. But we're going to do that collectively and it's going to be safe. And I'm just letting you know now, there will be a patch of people that won't agree with whatever we decide because everyone here is actually in a different place. Every single chair you could sit in or different thinking is represented in this room right now. So just to adjust your expectations, you might need to work through, I don't completely agree with how the church are deciding to do it. Included in that, we might make some mistakes. But if you could just... The only way we're going to go through, not the only way, I'm about to tell you the only way, the, the lesser way that we're going to get through is called pivoting. It's a good picture of it is a high heel swivel. So do-do-do-do-do, I can hear that person talking in the classroom, I'm a teacher, swivel, look at them. Pivoting is what businesses do in this climate, in, in COVID. Things are tricky. We need to pivot. If you're someone who's very rigid and needs things to never change for me to feel safe, that's called an inner healing issue. And we just want to help you through that. The only way through life is actually I'm going to need to stay malleable. Change. Not, not your morals change. But okay, thought plan B was going to last for two months. It's been a week and now we need a plan C. Just to adjust your expectations, we're going to have to keep pivoting and adjusting. And you've probably become a bit more used to that the last couple of years. All of your industries have had to do it. Your home life's had to do it. Some people are in jobs now that they wouldn't have been if COVID hadn't hit. That's called pivoting. But if you can just be okay with the church changing its mind on something, that's different to double-mindedness. And it's called just tracking with Holy Spirit and praying for wisdom and adjusting according to the needs of what's going on. So just allow us to just keep slowly changing. Is that okay? We're just going to have to be adjustable and keep going with it. I want to end with, um, the ladies know we're doing a half past. I want to end with really how to anchor yourself in the Lord, because regardless of how easy or hard you find to do the anchoring with the second commandment, the loving each other, if we don't have the anchoring with the Lord, that's going to be actually the undoing of us. And I just want to talk about some ways we can anchor into him. It looks like those roots. It is uh, with the Godhead. And I just want to talk about getting anchored. Let's do a scripture about getting anchored because it feels like the right time. Do, do, do. Hebrews. Let's hang out in Hebrews. Hebrews 6. Hebrews 6.19 tells us we have something. Not we are welcome to go get it if we know where it is. It doesn't tell us, hopefully we find it before the borders open. It says we have something. We have hope. Maybe we don't feel hopeful. I'm not talking about we have feelings of hope. I'm letting you know you've been given something you need. Isn't that great news? So we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. So it's saying we need to be anchored. How many of you are glad ships have anchors? 
if it's storms, if it's tempestuous, if you have to pause and sleep on a, on a houseboat. Anchors are really great things in a storm, which may get stormy the next few months. It's telling us we not only have hope, we have an anchor. That's good news. We have an anchor. We have this hope as an anchor for what? For our brain, for our hands, for our doctor's visits, for our soul. That's where the fear happens. That's where the confusion happens. That's where the nerves happens. That's where the domination and control happens. That's where the honor happens. It's saying we actually have an anchor for this part, which some of you have felt as, whoo, this last week. Okay? We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. I love that the descriptions of the anchor are that it's secure. That's a promise. It's not, it's kind of made of wood from 300 years ago. It should hold you. It's, it's firm and it's secure, and that's a guarantee. So we have it. And it says, it, so, so then my question is, okay, it's good to have an anchor. Please tell me what the thing is connected to. If the anchor is connected to chalk dust, I'm not sure it's great, even though I've got an anchor. Hello? I want my anchor to be anchored into something really great. Ah, and then it tells us, this anchor enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Unlike of all the places I want to be anchored, I think the Holy of Holies is a good option. Yeah. Woo! Like, think of, think of that. The Holy of Holies, where the ark was, where the mercy seat was, where the cherubs, where the presence of God came down, and if you hadn't cleansed yourself, you died. That's where I'm being anchored in the next few months. I want that anchor, and I want that Holy of Holies. This is good news, everybody. We just got to appropriate it. The New Living Translation says the same. It says, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor. Oh, I love those describing words. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for your souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. I'm not going to read the Passion Translation of it, but it's even, not even better. Just to help any of us who freak out. It has some even other incredible words in there that might be helpful for you if your soul is adrift. Okay, so... Um, anchoring. So anchoring, things that might help you anchor in this time is some of you are going, you know what? Moving forward, I would like to up my personal health. I'm going to ensure I take vitamin C and zinc and vitamin D. Good. And the Lord bless you. I'm just like good and definitely yes. How about taking communion as well? Not instead of. Don't freak out. But I'm like Let's come up higher, church. There's a whole bunch of stuff we're focusing on, and it's amongst the others in the sea of the storm. And then the wave comes over, and no wonder I have fear. It's like we actually have been granted permission to sit in heavenly places. We can come above and stay above. It doesn't say when we go to heaven we'll be seated with him. We are already seated with him. Let's sit in those seats. The scripture says, walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't say hope that you've got some salvation, walk out. And some of us need to actually start walking. And even, even whether it's in your heart or whether it's in your lounge room or in your corridor or down your street, walking out your salvation looks like, I'm not in this, I'm above this. It actually looks like, I'm going to take communion every morning. 
while I take my vitamins, while I have my other food I've been working on, I'm actually going to remember that his blood has paid for this, that his body was broken for my healing, that by his stripes we are healed, and I need to get into the seat of remembering, and that looks like my whole family is going to take communion, and we are not going to let fear enter in this house, and we're not going to give the enemy a foothold, and I'm going to bind that in my home. Come on, men, like if your women are getting, oh, my babies might die. It's like, no, we're not getting into fear. We're not getting into that spirit. We are remembering who he is. He's on the throne. He's the deliverer. He's the helper. He's the provider. He's the healer. We're going to have communion, even before talking about the vitamins. We're going to lead by being above, and we're going to stay above all the way through. And every time I forget that I'm above, I'm going to contact someone else because the oneness is part of the Lord's plan. Who's going to remind me? Come back up. We might need a visual picture about that. Get in an air balloon. Maybe that's the picture you need to go to go coming up and over. And yes, it's terrible. And yes, I feel the Lord's called me to even study into it and be involved in it. You can't be in it. Come up, get in the air balloon and go up and go, who is the Lord in this? And my word, excuse the pun, if you're not in the scripture about who he is, we're going to get storm-tossed. If you've never been someone who ate the word, you better start eating that before completely getting panicked of how much rice you've stacked up in your bunker. It's got to be I'm eating the word every day until this thing cracks. I'm eating the word because it's the only way you're going to stay in an air balloon and be up and above and go, yes, but I'm feel to research that. I feel to know about that. I feel to be not to know everything. And others are like, I feel to not know anything. It's not helpful for me. Good. Bless you. But are we both in air balloons, whether we're studying it or not? I've got to stay above because I'm a Christian before I'm any other role in this thing. I'm a kingdom person. Start in the Psalms if you've never done it. Get in the Psalms. It tells you who he is. And if it's not what you're eating, then you're going to be going who ScoMo is all day long. And who Mark McGowan is? He's this and he's this. Yes. Who's God? It's all over the scripture. Is that rattling off your tongue? Is it just constantly pouring out with who he is? Not who the health director is. Because it doesn't matter when we keep saying who God is to ourselves, to each other. We've got to know the truth. And it's what gets us through. We've got to stay above this, people. Get in your air balloons. We've got to be in the scripture. We've got to be in prayer. It's not weird to pray at home with your family if you make it normal. Some of us are so, I could never pray in a small group. I could never pray at the front. I could never pray out loud. It's daunting, but once you jump, you start learning how to swim. Some of you, I've never prayed with my partner. It's too weird. I grew up in a home where I heard my dad speaking in tongues in the shower and down the hallway all the time. It was normal. It was a covering. It created peace in my spirit. Some of you parents, you need the sound of tongues going out in your house all the time through the next few months, not the sound of the TV. Tongues, my friends. And if you don't know how to speak in tongues, let's chat. Even just start. Start in the natural, then in the spiritual, just making sounds, just uttering, because the scripture says even when our heart doesn't know how to pray, it can just come out and groans, and the spirit knows how to do it. Groan. Or just be walking going, I don't know what to do, God, but thank you who you are, and then just start doing the scripture. Thank you that you're this. Thank you that you're this. Thank you that you're this. Do that in your hallways. Let your children hear you prophesying that that you're secure. You need to lead with security in your homes, 
if you're not, that can be a journey, but then please don't bring it here. Bring you here, and let's all put our security, because we've got bigger fish to fry than our own safety. We've got a whole street each, you're all on a street, who are all going to start freaking out, and who do they need? Jesus! Let's focus on the things that matter. Let's focus on salvation and healings and praying for people and telling people it's going to be good. Someone's in control. But if we don't know that ourselves because we're coming under that wave, it's just like we are plan A for the Lord in this time. It's an exciting time to be a Christian. But if there has been some laziness or some lukewarmness in the last season, you're going to feel a pinch of that because time's running out. The lukewarmness is going to start biting your backside. We talked about self-sufficiency last year. All that stuff is going to count because the only way through is to get up and to walk. I walk by faith and not by sight. I walk by faith and not by sight. I walk by faith and not by sight. It looks like putting, I once had to in my lounge, put a towel around my eyes and just go, I walk by faith and not by sight. We can't be looking so much. We've got to know what faith says. And if you've got to go at home and go, well, I'm putting on a bandana and I'm going to say it for 20 minutes. You've got to walk with what's true, not with what you're seeing happening. And the world needs us to be doing that. They need us to be walking by faith. And some of us are sitting squealing. Thanks. Praying, abiding. That looks like having prayer times or quiet times with the Lord that you feel like are just useless. But And I know there's a lot of mine. You know what I do? I sit and I say nothing and I'm quiet. Just sit there and go, you said you would be with me. Emmanuel is here, even if I don't feel you. I'm just going to sit in your presence. I don't feel his presence, but I sit in his presence. And I stare at the wall and I'm trying to wake up. And it's clunky and I say two-sentence prayers and it's nothing amazing. And my day changes and the wisdom drops and the power comes and this, that, the other. He does so much if you would just abide it can be really hard to abide if you've got three children pulling at you. It's very hard to abide. So there are times or places or situations you're in where you're going to have to make a plan. I'm going to have to swap out with someone. I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to do that. But try and have somewhere that there's abiding. But if you don't have dependence and you're not abiding, what the heck are we doing with our time? He heals us in his presence. He strengthens us in his presence, but it doesn't mean you have to feel it. Just trust, just give him 20 minutes and just abide with him as part of the way through. Have communion and just sit and be a friend of God and watch what grows. And yeah, I talked about faith. Faith is the perspective. It's being in that air balloon. I'm just going to do the last scripture, which is from Psalm 91, which beautiful Lynn Tipper brought in this morning and felt as a, a scripture, and I just went, that's it. So it's just been added. I'm going to do it from the Passion Translation, assuming everyone is at peace with that. Psalm 91, verse 14 to 16. I'm going to profess this over us as a promise, okay? For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you, Paradox Church have loved me and delighted in me and been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. Some of us need to write that on our mirrors for the next few months. I love the I wills. The Bible's full of so many places he says I will. I've started underlining them and finding them. I'm like, there's just a plethora. Like the first few chapters of Galatians are full. I mean, Genesis are full of them. It's how he created the world is I will and I did. It's everywhere. That makes us rest. It's not Amy will in order to her to be safe. 
It's not Amy will and then the things will happen in the church. It's, it's I will. I will greatly protect you. Here's another one. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray. And you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you. We can go into the season secure because the I wills is on the throne. He's, he's, he's doing a great job. He's got it. He's the I will. He's the I am. I did a sermon on, this, on the I wills last year. If you look up I am and I will, just let him be God, which comes with a lot of having faith. Um, yeah. How's that? <laughs> 